Well, hello there, and welcome to an extra special episode. On today's show, we are going to be talking to Melissa Lehman, and I met Melissa through her Facebook group, the Peloton Moms in Leadership, that she put together, and it's a phenomenal group of thoughtful, interesting folks who are in leadership or love leadership or want to get into leadership, and she had shared a number of things that I had seen about her experience as a leader and things that she that she does and implements and her beliefs. And I wanted to to share them with you and have give her a chance to share those with you. So listen in on our conversation where she shares her tips, her advice, her experiences, and what she's learned and how she has grown as a leader. So get ready, listen up. You are going to get so many nuggets of wisdom out of this episode today. Well, hey there, I'm Liz St. Jean, and this is the Unruly Leadership Podcast, where I help subject matter experts like you design a career on your terms. It's where strategy meets intuition to help you break the rules, ignore the rules, and make your own damn rules. So let's break free from perfectionism, imposter thoughts, and that inner rule keeper that's keeping you in your career comfort zone. It's time to become unapologetically you and step into the life you were meant to live. We're going to talk presence, productivity, career, and having it all. Or as my four-year-old would say, we're going to take over the world. So let's get to it. Now, before we kick off the episode, I wanted to remind you that I have got a free workshop coming up and I want to make sure you've had a chance to go over and register for it. It's completely free and it's all about that thing that all of us love to hate, which is self-advocacy, promoting ourselves. So the workshop is called From Second Guessing to Self-Advocating. It's completely free. You can register for it over at my website, www.themintambition.com slash workshop. That's themintambition.com slash workshop. Go register. Come to the workshop. It's live. It's not even on Zoom. You don't have to worry about being all Zoomed out. And it's going to be so much fun. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a completely new way to think about promoting yourself, advocating for yourself in a way that actually feels good, that doesn't feel icky, that doesn't feel braggy, that doesn't feel selfish. I want to show you a way that you can be true to yourself and show up for yourself by advocating for yourself in a way that feels good and that even creates connection between you and other people. So head on over to the website, themintambition.com slash workshop and get yourself registered and I'll see you there. So hello everyone and welcome to this episode. This is a really special one. I'm so thrilled because I have a guest here with us. I have Melissa Lehman who's here and she's a strategic marketing professional. And we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, but I'm going to tell you a bit about her and then we'll get her to t- uh, introduce herself as well. So Melissa is a um, strategic marketing professional and she's really passionate about using the power of storytelling and data, especially to connect customers with the products and services that are going to improve their lives. So she loves selling products and brands, 
but not always as comfortable selling herself. So a couple of quick things to know about her. Um, she's worked with consumer brands that you've probably seen, might even have in your house. And she's won awards too for that. And one of the biggest challenges she had, and she was saying is one of the biggest thrills, was finding ways to sell the value of an invisible product, electricity. So in 2021, she took a huge leap of faith of her career. And I'm sure we're going to come back and talk about this. She joined an international software company, and it's been one of the best moves of her career. And then the, one of the key pieces to know, and this is how I was introduced to Melissa, is that she is the founder of the Facebook group called Peloton Moms in Leadership. And the reason she created it was to be able to connect like-minded, career-driven women give them that platform to solve leadership problems and inspire them to success. And I can say from personal experience, I've been in that group that there are some really fascinating, supportive, encouraging people in there. And the conversations they're having are really, really interesting and worthwhile. So definitely come check out that uh, Facebook group. If that's you Peloton moms in leadership. So Melissa, I'm going to turn it over to you with the, um, the question about what would you say is your, you know, the elevator pitch story of your career? Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to, to join you today. I got my degree in English and business from Florida State University because I love to write, but I honestly had no idea what I was actually going to do with that degree once I got out of college. And I started my career as a copywriter for ad agencies, but realized I was kind of a unicorn and that I also had a knack for the strategy side of the business too. Most people didn't, they were either on the creative side or the strategy side, and there wasn't a lot of co-mingling of the two, but I really struck this balance of both worlds. And so through many twists and turns, I ended up working for an electric utility back in 2009, was there for almost 12 years. COVID hit, I realized I really liked being remote, but I also realized I was ready for some new challenges. I had learned a lot about that industry and grown my skills to oversee not only marketing, but customer research and customer experience and customer programs in general. So last fall, I made the leap, switched to an international software company that has a group that supports utilities. So I call it utility adjacent. And honestly, that complete this leap of faith has turned into the best career decision I've ever made. And I'm happier than I've ever been. So I guess that's my, my quick elevator pitch of who I am and how I got to where I'm at today. Oh, that's awesome. And I think people listening get so valuable to hear those stories about someone making the, making a leap and having it be a wonderful experience because I think so often it can be so scary to think about making a big career leap and, and it's easy to put off, right? So it can be inspiring and encouraging to hear that story. And I love too how, um, so I'm, I have an econ background. So I like to think in, in charts a lot of times. So like Venn diagrams <laughs> are my friend. So I love that's like communication and strategy, like that overlap, like that's such a superpower right there. And um, actually, which brings me to a, a question I'd love to ask people is what is your superpower? Would you say? Well, I'm not sure it's a superpower. I was gonna say is grammar a superpower? Cause I'm <laughs> like, anal retentive about grammar. And I was always the person that people would bring stuff at work to take a look at. And then they would go, well, I thought I was an okay writer. And then you took to it. And I felt like I was back in high school English class. So writing and grammar, I think is, is one of my strong points, but 
Honestly, I think I hope people see my superpower is authenticity. I am a huge fan of Ted Lasso for a variety of reasons, but I think it's a great show to watch as anyone who is interested in, in leadership philosophy, because I think what is so wonderful about it is it's showing you can be an effective leader when you're authentic and empathetic and vulnerable. And so I always want people to see me and think, what they see is what they get. I've um, had some times where I've been burned by peers that I thought were looking out for my best interest career-wise and only found out kind of later on that they weren't. So I always want everyone that I work with who or work for or who work for me to know that they're seeing and getting the real me. And I will always strive to lead and work through kindness, empathy, and authenticity. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I can just hear it in your voice, like wanting to be genuine for people, right? Like showing up and, and be there for them and especially that compassion and, and heart. So I've, I've seen, I've seen that so often in the group and the way you, um, just how you nurture that community. So it definitely you. is you. And um, I think vulnerability too. I think showing mm-hmm. people that you may not have all the answers and admitting, I don't have the answers, but I'm willing to sit here with you and, and problem solve to, to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's an interesting, we, I mean, we see this conversation happening, right. And, and people can try to navigate that balance between like vulnerability and essentially leadership TMI. It's like, how, right. how do you kind of navigate that? Like being vulnerable without, um, like, you know, do, do you actually just completely share everything or do you think like, is there kind of a balance between how you're showing up with vulnerability and, and sort of that TMI? it's definitely a fine balance because you never want to share so much that it makes people uncomfortable. But I also want, I always wanted my team to know that I'm human because I want them to know that I see them as human too. And I, you know, I, whether it's health challenges or struggles with kids or struggle with family, especially when COVID hit and I wasn't able we weren't in a culture where people were getting on video a lot. We had to like beg people to get on video. And so I wasn't able to see people's faces. And I found that by sharing the challenges that I was going through as a, (laughs) this was when my kids were not able to go physically to school. So sharing with my team, Hey guys, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on. My kids are X, Y, you know, have X, Y, Z going on with virtual school. Here's I may not be as available today or tomorrow because this is what's going on, but please, you know, text me if you need me, whatever. I found that by sharing it in that way, it kind of invited them to reciprocate. And I was able to have some deeper conversations with people about, you know, what's your emotional health right now? Where are you at? Do you need anything? Do you need some extra time off? You know, what can I do to make sure that we're facing this unprecedented crisis as emotionally healthily as a team as possible. And so it's just finding that balance of what feels right and not making someone uncomfortable at the same time. The team that I had working for me, were all actually very receptive to sharing and talking. So it was a blessing to have that situation where they weren't uncomfortable when I would start off a one-on-one with like, how are you? Not how's your work? How are you? And, and those were the kinds of questions or, you know, is there anything that's challenging you from 
you know, you person name standpoint, I won't name anybody's names <laughs> that I can support you with. And it doesn't have to be just a work thing. Is there something that you need? And it, so I would periodically send, you know, a Grubhub gift card or leave flowers on someone's doorstep just to show them that we're all in this together. And I think by opening that door with them, it made them willing to reach out when they needed something. And I felt like it built trust. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're doing so much there. That's so wonderful. And for everyone who's listening, hopefully you're taking all kinds of notes because this is so good. Like you're first of all, like role modeling, like in role modeling, what's important and, but also role modeling how, how to still stay in contact with your team and that genuineness too. Like I can hear it in your voice, even as you're describing how you asked them, how they were doing, like genuinely wanting to know, not sort of like just saying it as a checkbox item, because that's what leaders should do, but you genuinely wanted to know and could create conversation around that, which is amazing. Thank you. So I'm curious then, and this is, you know, we had kind of chatted about this before recording about whether over the course of your career, have you ever learned from any kind of missteps or stumbles, you know, or has it always been like this for you? You know, what would you, what could you share with people about that? It was definitely not always this way. (laughs) I was put into a role as a manager and I went from peer one day to manager the next with absolutely not one bit of training on how to do it. And I think this is a place that most organizations really fall short. They don't give people the tools and then they're surprised when things don't go perfectly. And I made some some missteps. Uh, This was probably about five years back in my previous role. I, I made some mistakes and um they were embarrassing and I realized it took kind of sitting down and assessing what was the personal brand that I was putting out there? And was that the personal brand that I wanted (laughs) to be known for and how I was showing up as a leader? And so I went, I asked for, I said, you know, I need more training. I need more skills about how to effectively coach. I need to understand What are the different types of leaders based on the type of people you have working for you? Because at the time I had everything from a super high performer to somebody who had quit in place and everything in the middle. And I didn't really know how to effectively coach different people different ways. So I asked for as much training as I could get. Some of it I took on at my own expense and had a 360. And when I got all of that, I kind of sat down and realized that my lack of focused leadership wasn't just impeding my growth. It was, I felt like it was impeding my team's growth too. So it was like that day I said, you know, this is it. This ends today. I committed on focusing on the practice of leadership. I spent time defining my own values. I sat and actually Now, this did push the team out of their comfort zone a little bit, but I had them sit down and define their own too, so that we could all understand what are the things that are absolutely sacred to each other and what's non-negotiable with each other. You know, one person, it was all about accountability. And then I had another one who was like, I have to have everything together before I make a decision. Well, to the person where accountability and punctuality were critical deadlines, she thought the other one was just ignoring her. 
And so by sitting down and having everyone share these values, sharing mine, and then we created a set of team values, I was really able to completely reshape and shift the way that I lead to the point that I was getting recognition around the organization. My team was noticing, my peers were noticing, my leaders were noticing. So it was definitely not something that came naturally. And it was a very prolonged and deliberate effort to rethink the way that I was leading. And I, I joke with people, um, I felt like leadership is a lot like dating. (laughs) I had been through some really bad leaders, so I didn't have a lot of people to model behavior from. And I decided that I'm going to be the kind of leader that I want someone to say, I worked for this person way back when, and I loved how she did X, Y, Z, and that's how I'm going to lead. I didn't want to be the one where they were like, I don't want to lead like her. I, I wanted to be the positive role model for them. And I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt, had I not been through those stumbling blocks, I would not be where I am today because it changed the way that I communicate with my team, with my peers, honestly, it changed the way I communicate with my kids. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just reworked everything about how my mind processes and how I was willing to sit and talk with people around me and take in information. And I mean, that's a really long answer, but no, it has not been a super easy linear process. And it was not a natural one. <laughs> it has been a dedicated practice to cultivating my leadership skills, I would say really significantly over like the last um, six to seven years. Wow. I, I just loved everything you said. There's so many, there's <laughs> so you. many threads I want to pull now. I mean, even just one of them, I want to point out, especially for anyone listening, like just ha- to be inspired by the, the learning mindset that Melissa is showing, because like, ev- the, the research shows like there's really good research that shows that like getting, um, critical negative, however we want to call it, like getting that kind of feedback, like it has, it creates psychic pain. That's why we avoid it. That's why we avoid, we don't, even if even people, I mean, some people, maybe most people like they'll say they want feedback, but they don't really. because it, it Absolutely. And you did like, you went for that feedback. It was kind of, and you got, and you grew from that place of like wanting to be there for your team, which is incredible. I love that. And And it wasn't always easy. I will say, yeah, I mean, I have, like I I said in the bio, it's like, I'm happy to talk about brands and companies all day, but trying to tout myself gets into a place where I'm very, it makes me anxious and uncomfortable. So then having someone talk about me to myself, oh, forget it. But (laughs) I realized that feedback is a gift because if I'm not getting that feedback, I'm going to just, can, you know, if your car's not giving you any warning lights, you're going to keep driving down the same road until the car breaks down. Well, I don't want to break down. I want to get the feedback along the way so that I can adjust and shift and avoid that. But I do consider that moment of failure and a, a blessing because mm-hmm. um, it really put me on the path to where I'm at now. Yeah. And that, and I'm grateful for that. 
Yeah. And especially that piece around like discovering your values and then bringing it to your team. So what you're talking about there, about the, those, the two people on your team, it's called um, values in conflict. And it's, it's so common where we kind of ascribe something to like personality differences when it's actually can be more just to do with values. So for everyone listening, I'll drop a couple of links, at least one link, but check the show notes for some, if you want to do your own values exercise, because what Melissa did there is just, it's such a good exercise. Um, But Melissa, I just wanted to jump off that piece there. You're talking about how, um, like, you know, finding it hard to kind of uh, talk up yourself, like easier to talk about your, your clients or your consumer, your brands. And you and I are also chatting about like the inner critic chatter that happens for so many of us. And yes. I'd love for you to share what is your go-to strategy for that inner critic chatter? So I have two things. One, there is a fabulous book called Mastering Your Inner Critic. Um, and I got to look up the author is Susan McKenty Brady. And I actually heard her speak at a linkage event, a women in leadership linkage event several years ago. And she's phenomenal, but that's a great book. And that had a lot of really good like, that's me. That's me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's totally me. Um, pieces to it. But the other thing I've realized really helps me kind of reframe that negativity is I keep a smile file. And when I had a team working under me, I should have said earlier, when I made this big leap earlier, uh, last year in my career, not only did I leave to go to a company that supported an industry I worked in, but I'd never worked in software. I also went from leading a team to individual contributor. I just felt at this time in my life, I needed just the the peace and calm of being responsible for myself. Um, But I always have a smile file on my desktop of my computer and it's nice emails or nice notes or any kind of praise for work that I've done so that if I'm kind of wallowing, I can pull it up and say, oh, look at this nice thing that someone said about this project or that project. It also helps when writing performance reviews because typically we're so terrible at documenting along the way. And then all of a sudden we're trying to think of at one point in time of the year, everything that happened in the last year. So it's a great kind of archive for me to have those notes. And when I had a team working under me, I actually had an email folder for each one of them. And I had each person's individual smile file. So if a nice note came in, like where I was CC'd on something, I saved those in there as well. And then I could use those not only to compliment them, like in their next one-on-one, but then if I saw them wallowing or, you know, letting that inner critic come out, I would remind them, look, you know, you may feel X, but remember this. And so it wasn't just my words that were trying to prop them up. I was using other people's praise as well and very specific times and very specific examples of the work that they'd done. And, and it gave them that boost as well. Oh, that's so good. There's a, um, just thinking too, there's a recent article on HBR recently about positive, the uh, positive leaders and leaders being positive energizers. And just what you're describing, just it's, it's that it's exactly that, like being that energizer for your team and, and also for yourself, like being able to lead yourself. Um, especially when, and, and that's so fascinating. You did that, that you went from a uh, team lead to individual contributor. And I've actually thinking about this because you see a lot of these conversations in groups, right? Where people are considering it, 
And the phrasing always is like, oh, take a step back in my career, right? You hear that phrasing versus, I don't know about you, Melissa, if this will resonate for you, but I've been thinking more like, no, it's kind of more like a NASCAR race. Like you've just been going round and round and round. You need to pull in the pit stop for a little bit, for a little bit. It's not a step yeah. back. It's like, you just need to pull off for a bit, maybe change your tires and then you can get back out there. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, it coming off the heels again of, of a really long leading through a pandemic year and a half. And not only that, I was taking a really big career leap and I knew that there was going to be a learning curve in this new role. And I wanted to be able to know that I had all of the time I needed to dedicate to bringing myself up to speed while not all, well, at the same time, not having to manage other people. And I think it was just for me, it was a place of comfort. It was kind of the middle ground for this like giant leap, like to make a giant leap and go into a leadership position all at the same time, I think was just more than I was willing to take on again, still at home, still with kids at home. I just didn't, know enough about what this big shift was going to look like. And I knew I wanted to be comfortable with what I was doing before I was taking on other people and leading their strategies as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm so thankful for it because I have unbelievable flexibility. I mean, the whole team has unbelievable flexibility, but I found like this great sense of peace in this individual contributor role, but I have a huge sphere of sphere of influence and the number of people I work with and intersect with, I'm still able to lead. I'm just not like managing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, sometimes I refer to it as little L leadership and big L leadership, like there's four there yeah. positions, but it's like, we're still you know, we still lead, we still influence others to go, to go above, above and beyond. Yep. So you were talking about the, we've talked about the career leap and the, and the, the kind of career shifts, but I'm also always curious to hear about any mindset shifts that people have had to make in their careers. Have you had any of those? Well, you know, I think, like I said, the biggest one was just reframing how I was putting myself out there and how I was leading. I think those were just, all of that was just really the biggest, the biggest aha moment for me and sitting down and all the work that I did with values and, and documenting values. I think really it's that all of that, that big kind of career fork that I came to, like I had mentioned earlier, um, because it really fundamentally needed, I I had to completely change the way I looked at how I led and how I um, coached and how I guided my team because I wasn't really doing a good job at any of it. Awesome. Well, and this maybe is kind of similar, but because it's the unruly leadership podcast, I always need to ask whether you've broken or ignored any rules on your journey. I always have put rules in quote, because right. sometimes it feels like there's so many rules that we just can either ignore or break, um, or even made your own rules. You know, I, I actually sat and thought on this question for a while. And I think what I realized is that I played by the rules for way too long. And I got stuck in a role doing the same thing 
for almost 12 years, literally almost in the same chair. Like my, my cube moved from one end of the floor to the other and back. And that was it over 12 years. And I kept thinking that the system was going to reward me and ultimately realized that I needed to take control of it. And I needed to say, I'm going to own my career and I'm going to step take charge and I'm going to do this. And by leaving the utility industry and going vendor side, I found out I was at my first like out in the world event for work uh, two weeks ago since fall of 2019. So that was just weird in and of itself. But going to a utility event and, and running into people that I have I've known for years who I hadn't necessarily kept up with. They're like, wait, you left your, your vendor side now. Oh, like so many people were surprised that I guess there just aren't that many of us that leave. I mean, utilities are all, a lot of them are a hundred years plus, And, you know, you have people that have been there 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so I guess I broke a big rule in, bolting out of the utility industry, leaving a path of dust behind me, like I'm out of here and going over to the vendor side. Cause I was genuinely surprised when I got to this company, I'm like in a group of 300 people, how are there only a handful of us? And you support utilities, the whole group just supports utilities. How are there only a handful of people who've ever actually worked in one? <laughs> They're all software people. So I guess that's a kind of, you know, I, I kept to one rule for way too long, which was just thinking everything would work out. And I guess I broke a big one by bolting out of the industry and switching to vendor side. So I love it. I love that image you painted there. Just like, <laughs> like crashing through the doors. Yeah. Dust behind you. And I'm, I'm going, I don't know if it's freedom or what it is, what value it is. But it's like, I'm breaking free. I'm owning my career. I love that. <laughs> I even, I ran into my, um, the, one of the, the, the officers of the company on the day I was at the office cleaning out my stuff and we parked on the same floor of the garage and he's like, are you moving floors? I'm like, yeah, I'm moving all this stuff to my house. I'm leaving. And he asked me, he's like, well, why, you know, you've been here so long. What are we going to do without you? And I looked him straight in the eye and I said, you know, I have led successfully through this huge pandemic kept my team, my team surpassed our goals, kept everyone motivated, kept everybody happy. And my reward for all of that is that you're having every manager has to come back five days a week. I said, I love being virtual and I would have let you pay me less to stay virtual. (laughs) And he's like, okay, well, good luck. (laughs) So which is interesting because going back to your point earlier about like feedback is a gift. Like you were giving, giving them a gift in that moment and um, hopefully yeah. they took it. But oh, they didn't. No, <laughs> but they've also had a bunch of people leave. So they weren't listening, but I don't know that they really were that concerned. Mm-hmm. So. So let's, um, let's finish this off with, uh, I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the, about the Facebook group, you know, what inspired you to create it? What do you love about it? Absolutely. So I started with Peloton a couple months into the pandemic. My husband realized I was spiraling emotionally. He's like, you need something. Um, and I had not ridden a bike 
in since before I'd had kids. And at that point in time, my oldest was gosh, 10. Um, and I was in a couple of different Facebook groups and, and I was in one with, with working moms. And I asked people, cause there were people periodically would put questions up about like leadership or work stuff, but it just never seemed like the right place for those questions. So I asked if anybody had any interest in starting a book club. Cause I was like, Hey, maybe I could get like a hundred people together. We can have like a couple different time zones and, and do leadership, read leadership books. Um, and it didn't quite work out as far as like the book club, just because of time, trying to schedule with people and time zones and everybody pick this time and find a time that would work. But it, I pivoted and I was like, well, let's take the book club aspect of way of this and just become, cause it was like the Peloton working mom leadership book club. Yeah, it's a clunky long name, but it came, it morphed into Peloton moms and leadership. And I was going to be happy if I had a hundred people. And now I've got, we've got, I think the last time I looked is almost 2,700 women. And it's like the happiest little corner of the internet, I think of Facebook from the standpoint of I moderate other groups and they take so much work. This group takes very little moderation because everybody is supportive and respectful and they just want to help each other. People put really, you know, again, if we look at career challenges that, that people have faced over the last two years, it's such an inflection point of what people want and, and need out of their careers. I told people, a couple people, I refuse to, to call it work-life balance. I want a life-work balance. It, it should not be work-life balance. It needs to be the other way around. And I love seeing all these like-minded women come together and say, how do I find a place that better respects my boundaries, my contributions, pays me what I'm worth, give me negotiation tips so I get what I deserve because women are so conditioned to not negotiate and just seeing these connections. It's, it's so amazing each day when I see the kinds of posts that are up and the kinds of support that people are getting, it just makes me happy. Um, and I love that people aren't scared to post and, and put questions up. That's why I've left the anonymous posting option up. I want people to know that they can still get advice without, you know, it's careers. We get it. Somebody knows somebody who knows somebody. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, did you know? So-and-so said this, um, that they don't have to reveal who they are to still get valuable insight. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. And you can see like people are very um, encouraging and supportive and respectful and also very thoughtful. And we've seen some, you see really interesting, thoughtful conversations happening and respectful. And there was a recent thread and I forget what it, what the topic was, but you can see people were disagreeing, but it's just very respectful and just kind of talking through it. You can see people are like, they wanted that space where they can talk through some of these things that they're thinking about. And then like-minded is kind of drawing that Peloton crowd, like people who, yeah, like they, they prioritize health as well as family and, and, you know, Peloton really does draw in the people that are, you have that, um, that energy to them, that positivity and energy. So it's a really great group. So what, what advice would you have for your group members? 
don't be scared to ask the questions. Use the anonymous feed anonymous option if you're, you know, if you don't want your name on it. It is the internet. I still, it is still, I mean, I screen every person and I check for a Peloton leader one name. Um, but it's still the internet. <laughs> so I totally get it. Use the anonymous option. Get the feedback that you want and that you need. Don't be scared of it. And and let this, the power of this community help you because I know it's been helping other people. Well, that is a wonderful note to finish on. Uh, thank you so much, Melissa, for being here, for being with us and sharing your experiences and your thoughts and, and talking and sharing about your group. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much for the invitation. And um, I look forward to listening and, and hearing more of what you do. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Now, if this podcast helped you or inspired you in any way, I would love for you to leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. It takes about 20 seconds, if that, and it's, it's honestly the easiest way for you to thank me for this episode. Every time I see a review, it brings me so much joy and it just lights me up. So if you could do that for me, I would be ever so grateful. Now, the other thing you can do is you can take a screenshot of this episode or even a screenshot of your review and send it to a friend or share it in a Facebook group or even post on your LinkedIn newsfeed to let other people know about this podcast and this episode. Thanks again. And now get out there and start breaking some rules. <laughs>